from Ecclesiastes 11 to 7, 12 to 14. Light is sweet. It pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years one may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there, are, therefore there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast the troubles of your body for your youth and your vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because there are few, those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed, and the sound of the grinding fades, when people rise up and the sound of the birds, but all of their songs grow faint, when the people are afraid of heights, and the dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and the desire to long, no longer stir, and, and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their internal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground from it came and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. What he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, their collected sayings firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is God's word. Morning, everybody. Let's pray and we'll look at this uh, intriguing, beguiling passage together. Father God, we pray that you would change our hearts this morning. Would you enable us to respond to your word in a way which is not just um, enjoying your truth or convinced by what you say, but that is enabled by your spirit to make real changes to life. 
Father, we pray that uh, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, and next month, we might live differently in the light of what you have said. Amen. What age bracket do you put yourself in? It's uh, one of those just little indignities of life when you come to fill out a form online and you realize you've shifted up an age bracket. The struggle is real. Now, this passage talks today about the young and the old. I'm guessing, as I look around this morning, there aren't that many of us who would clearly fit ourselves in either of those two categories. But then, I don't think anybody likes to think of themselves as middle-aged either. Well, I've changed my view on that after reading this definition from Ronald Reagan. He says, middle age is when you're faced with two temptations and you choose the one that'll get you home by 9 p.m. Okay, I am middle-aged. Fine, I'll own it. Um, Now, whatever age bracket you would put yourself in, this passage warns us, don't put off living wholeheartedly for Jesus until you're a little bit older. Don't put the whole God thing on the back burner while you're young. The best, the wisest, the richest, the fullest way to live is to live wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ now. And the truth is, there are some warnings that if you don't hear and heed now, and there are some habits that if you don't form now, you probably never will. And this matters because if we don't act now on the warnings given to us in Ecclesiastes 11 to 12, we will miss out on the life God wants us to have. God wants you to have a deeper relationship with him. God wants you to have far more freedom from sin than you've ever experienced. That's the life Jesus died to win for you. Well, we've, uh, we've arrived finally at the end of Ecclesiastes. Um, and in one sense, Ecclesiastes balances out the teaching of Proverbs. If Proverbs says, look, the world is created by a God who is faithful, who is consistent, and who is moral. So when you look at the world, there are certain patterns. And unsurprisingly, life goes best when you live according to the maker's instructions. When, when, you, when you follow God's word, you're living according to the grain of reality. That's what Proverbs says. But Ecclesiastes recognizes that the fall, that sin has has brought corruption and frustration into the fabric of the world itself and also into our desires. And so there's an angst, really, at the heart of Ecclesiastes, which is we're born with a longing for meaning and for eternity, and yet we live in a world of frustration and we die after 80 or so years. And nothing, nothing under the sun can answer that quest, that longing for meaning and purpose that all of us have hardwired into us. And so the teacher observes that the world is hevel. That's the key word in the whole of Ecclesiastes. It's translated here, do you see uh, 11 verse 10 as meaningless. It's a Hebrew word, but it has a broad range of meaning. You can't really boil it down to one English word. Uh, Hevel, um, it means meaningless, confusing, unreliable, frustrating, unfulfilling, fading, fleeting, like a breath on a cold morning. I think uh, perhaps the best modern equivalent for a word that means um, frustrating, unreliable, liable to vanish would be Wi-Fi. That's uh, probably as close as we'll get. Uh, And in today's passage, it very much has the, the sense of transient, fleeting, ephemeral. Here one moment, on the next. 
And what we're told here is that we need to live for God before life just flies away. Firstly, uh, verses 7 to 10, enjoy your youth while you have it. Chapter 11, verse 7, light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many, and everything to come is meaningless. He starts with a reminder, look, make the most of life. Life will have its dark seasons. And if you live in Britain during December, you know what it is to long to see the sun. He says, look, there will be whole seasons that are just dark, so enjoy the good times. Thank God for them and enjoy them. And in particular, he says, enjoy your reckless, carefree, youthful days. Verse 9, you who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are fleeting. It is so very almost the spirit of our age. The difference comes in the last phrase. Everybody says, follow your heart, follow your heart, enjoy your life. But the teacher of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, warns us that we're to do those things in the light of God's judgment. Our society, I think, acts as if my heart is the highest tribunal. In other words, when we say, I followed my heart, it's basically another way of saying, I did the best thing. I did what was right. But my heart is not the ultimate judge. God is. And I don't always know the best and the wisest way to live. God does. And so he says, look, live life to the full in accordance with the good, wise, loving rules that our creator has given us. And then verse 10 reminds us that the key truth to know about youth is that it doesn't last forever. Youth and vigor are fleeting. Passes like a morning mist. And this really is the theme then that runs through the next seven verses. Now, some of us here, or some of you here, are in the prime of life. Enjoy it, because it's just not going to last forever. <laughs> it's a cheery message, isn't it? But it just won't. The time will soon come when you won't be able to sit down or get up without making a noise. It's, a, it's that time for Christmas lists, isn't it? Where you, uh, you drop subtle hints or just send the link. So this is what I want. Um, and a couple of years ago, I was given a, a fitness watch. Um, probably can't see it. There's, so there's an image on the screen. And it is just a brilliant gadget. It tells me my heart rate. It tells me my step count. I have a dog, so 15,000. I'm quite chuffed with that. It's my average. And it's got a GPS-linked running watch. Fantastic. The only thing is, it soon dawned on me that the age I was, which is between uh, me and the Lord, I was never going to beat the records that I've got for 10K or 5K. I'm only ever going to get slower from here on in. And so what this watch does with exquisite accuracy is record the inexorable decline of my bodily health. Just what you want for a Christmas present. I now call it my death watch. Now look, some of us already limp in life because of health, whether it's mental health or physical health issues. But most of us, when we're young, we think we can do what we want, and we act as if we're immortal. The one thing you don't think when you're young is, look, this is just a phase. But youth passes quickly. There are only a finite number of years during which you can play sport without warming up or stretching, or 
place bought at all, uh, or stay out all night and still function at work the next day, or eat a diet of junk food and still be in reasonable shape. So make the most of it, the writer says. Look, enjoy living in the world God has made and the body he's given you. Enjoy it in the way that he says is best. But that is not his most important message for the young. Secondly, remember God before you lose your memory. And so in chapter 12, in the light of how quickly youthful vigor turned to middle-aged spread, turned to senile dementia, he calls on us, verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember God your creator. Turn to him before you get to the stage in life where you can barely remember anything at all. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Youth is like the springtime and, and then he pictures the onset of old age as, as winter arriving. And he describes it in wonderfully vivid imagery in the next six verses. Verse 3, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. Uh, the strong men stoop, their, their legs go from running to walking to a rickety shuffle. The grinders cease, the teeth begin to fall out, especially for Londoners with all those caramel lattes. Verse 4, and when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when the people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. Eventually the hearing goes. It's as if you're, the door's closed and you're shut off from the world. My wife would be amazed to hear I could get any more deaf than I appear to be at the moment, but it will happen. And Beethoven had one of the most spectacular ears for music the world has ever known. But in his old age, he smashed loads of pianos because he just was having to beat the notes so hard just to hear anything as he grew increasingly deaf. Verse 5. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. It is sobering when you, you walk down the King's Road and you see uh, the Chelsea pensioners in their smart red coats. And sometimes you see one with a real chest full of medals. Uh, not just campaign medals, but bravery medals. And you think, in your younger days, you were a seriously fearsome warrior. But now, any little hoodie could mug you. All the strength is gone. When the almond tree blossoms, that's a white hair, and the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire is no longer stirred. The sprightly grasshopper reduced to dragging itself. Now, one day, in a few years' time, you'll be able to go to Jamaica and see Usain Bolt complete 100 meters in nine and a half minutes. Just. Even desire has gone. Famously, Plato asked the Greek philosopher Sophocles, when Sophocles was an old man, what's it like for, for your sexual desire to die out? And he said, it's like being unchained from a lunatic. And if Solomon is the source for much of Ecclesiastes, he had such strong sexual appetites that he had 300 sex slaves for when his 700 wives weren't enough. But even he says, the day comes when desire dies. And of course, of course, the slow process of decay, the onset of old age, is just a protracted warning sign that what is to come is death. The people go to their eternal home. The mourners go about in the streets. So remember him before the silver cord is severed 
and the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. As he thinks about death and looks down at his his sagging skin and struggles to recall where on earth he left the glasses that sat on top of his head, he can't help but but just bemoan how meaningless, how fleeting life is. Verse 8, fleeting, fleeting, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything, everything is just evaporated. Remember your creator before you lose your memory. The danger, I think, for us is, is not so much that we're too busy for God, uh, is that we're anti-God, but that we're just too busy for him. We're too busy with life. When I was uh, in my 20s, a number of my uh, non-Christian friends were quite aggressively not interested, didn't want to hear about God. But actually, most of them were just, they were just too busy. When you did talk to them about life and death and Jesus, they, they, were, they were interested. But, but right now, I've just got to get on with my career. I don't have time to, to look into it. And, and, and we're planning a wedding now. And gosh, you have no idea how busy it is with a baby in the house. And life just goes on. Same for many Christians. Oh, yeah, I, I totally believe in Jesus. I, I'm keen to be part of church, but I, I can't really commit to anything at the moment. Uh, I've just got so much on. Now, We've got to be honest, there are some just genuinely overwhelming seasons of life, and we all have different capacities. But so often, I see that those who spend their 20s and 30s putting other things ahead of Jesus, other things ahead of serving him, well, they then spend their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s doing exactly the same. Life is about habits, and right now, today, you are forming patterns of behavior training your character, setting the future direction. And at the risk of being blunt, the older you get, the harder your heart becomes and the softer your head gets. It's just true. I've had um, the privilege of teaching about Jesus from the Bible in a heap of different settings to 200 Muslim students at a London university, uh, to a dinner party of high-flying Cambridge grads at a London club, to a street gang in a ghetto in Argentina, a rugby tournament, a primary school assembly, a prison chapel, a bunch of funerals, and dozens of weddings. But you know, the hardest, most unresponsive audience I've ever faced, on a couple of occasions, always the same, old people's homes. One since you'd have thought, Surely this is a group of people who are going to give more attention than anybody to the message of eternal life and how to be forgiven and get through the judgment of God that is looming. And yet every time it's the same story. Oh, I don't have much time for that, dear. Just a bit too busy. God is kind and the gospel comes with the Holy Spirit's power. So it is never too late But if you spend your younger years ignoring God, shoving him to the sidelines, keeping him on the back burner, well, then the cement is liable to set with God shoved out. Now, one of the reasons we planted Christchurch Mayfair here in central London was so we could encourage young people to live for Christ and and to, to share the gospel message with their friends before the cement had set in life. Remember your creator before it's too late. 
the book doesn't end quite there. And in the epilogue, we see the hope that rescues us from the meaninglessness that has hung like a shadow over Ecclesiastes. And we're told to live now in the light of future judgment. Verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find out just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. And the students say, Amen. But he's not having a go at the publishing industry in verse 12. He's talking about books dishing out wisdom on life. He's saying, look, in every day and age, there are, there are um, the trendy, the, the on message, the popular people saying, look, this is how you live from the perspective of this particular culture in this particular place in history. And he's saying, look, you can spend your life chasing all their wisdom. But here we have God's wisdom. Don't worry too much if you haven't watched all the latest TED Talks about how to make the most of life. Here is the creator's wisdom. Don't weary yourself with everything else. And God's advice, he said, verse 11, is like a goad, a sharp stick. And we all occasionally need a sharp prod from a pointy stick to keep us going in the right direction. But in these last verses, if you notice, he talks about the teacher. So this is the editor. The teacher steps back and the editor steps in. And in the last couple of verses, the Havel mist sort of clears as the sun finally rises and a fresh perspective comes in. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And here is good news and bad news and good news. Well, why bother serving God? I mean, that's what he tells us to do. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that's the whole duty of mankind. Why bother if we're going to live for 80 years and then evaporate into nothing? Well, because we're not just going to evaporate into nothing. Verse 14, death is not the end. There will be a day of judgment. And a thousand years after the writer of Ecclesiastes had died, Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. And in Acts 17, verse 30 and 31, Paul declares that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee, the proof that God will bring into judgment. All people will rise and face God in judgment. And that is good news, actually. It's good news because it proves that your life will not just evaporate, leaving no trace. And the worst teachers, the worst teachers of all, I mean, I'm sure we've all had candidates for that, but the worst teachers were the ones who just didn't bother. You know, somebody said they had a teacher who would sit at the front of class with binoculars because he couldn't even bother to get up and just tell you to hold up the paper so you could see, you were, okay, yep, you're doing something. Didn't care. The work wasn't marked. If it's not marked, if it's not judged, then it just doesn't matter, does it? If there's no judgment, then there's no value. But your life does matter. God sees everything you've done, and God sees everything that's been done to you, and he will bring all of it, even the hidden things, 
into the light of his judgment. That is good news. You matter. It's bad news too, because it means that whether we trust in and live for Jesus Christ has eternal consequences. It's not just a religious game for your years on earth. It's about your eternal destiny. Only Jesus has died to forgive you so that judgment day holds no fear. Only Jesus has risen again to give you eternal life. So you need to put your trust in him before it's too late. Ultimately, though, verse 14 is good news. See, the proof that there is a judgment is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the reason Jesus was dead is that he hung on a cross to pay for our sins. And he rose to new life to give us eternal life. And so if we trust in him, then that judgment day is not a day of fear. It's the first day of eternal life in God's new paradise world where nothing will be havel, meaningless, frustrating, empty, ever again. We're at the end of 2020, as well as the book of Ecclesiastes, finally for 2020. Look, a good discussion to have over the next week or two to talk about with others, to pray through, is what New Year's resolution can I set that'll help me grow in knowledge and love of Jesus in 2021? However old you are this morning, today is the youngest you will ever be for the rest of your life. This is the youngest you'll be for the rest of your life. So resolve today to begin habits and patterns that will see you Know and love Jesus more and serve his gospel better by bringing his life and forgiveness to others in 2021. Do it for his glory and do it for your good. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for Ecclesiastes. We thank you for the reality of this message. We thank you for the honesty and a helpful way it exposes the truth of our world. We thank you most of all, though, for the sun that breaks in at the end, that there is a resurrection, that this world with its frustrations is not the end. So we pray that you would help us to put our trust in Jesus and to live wholeheartedly for him now and to give the rest of our lives to joyful service of him. We ask this for your son's glory. Amen.